Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. We are live with a special edition of the Completely Unnecessary Podcast, the Illness Edition, for Friday. Mm-hmm. Friday the 14th, November 14th, 2014. Wow. Alongside... Oh, Alongside Ian Ferguson with his beer, that'll make you feel better. Mm-hmm. Ian Ferguson, it will. I'm Pat Contry. So we were originally supposed to do this on a Wednesday, but you know, uh, I'm a nice guy. Postpone it. Didn't want to do another solo Pat cast and uh, bore the audience. I don't think anyone else wanted you to do a solo well, Pat I, I cast. Think, I think I'm fine with the solo Pat cast. <laughs> so we're coming off of the fifth annual NES marathon. What are we talking on the show today? What are we talking? About? What are we discussing? We're discussing. Uh, the marathon itself, we're talking about Star Wars The Force uh, Awakens title being revealed, Activision blocking share play on PS4 for their new Call of Duty Advanced Warfare, the Atari landfill carts up on eBay and they've already been sold, uh, we're talking about the the uh, Too Many Cooks short film from Adult Swim that's been sweeping the internet, gone viral, the Assassin's Creed review embargo for uh, Unity, the Fantastic Four film news just coming out, which is going to depress Frank. Smash Brothers pre-sales, uh, way more than Mario Kart so far. A plane going overhead, and your Q and A. So, Ian, besides the illness, how how are you doing this week? How are we recovering from the uh, NES marathon? Are we okay? As far as exhaustion goes, I was pretty much good by Monday, but <clears throat> I made a realization that the only marathon that I got out of illness-free was last year. The first two years we did the marathon, I got pneumonia. <laughs> You had pneumonia each time. You have a just a gimpy immune system in general. Yeah, you know I, I, I had I, three months of pneumonia the first time, two months of pneumonia the second time. Um, but I've spent most of the week sleeping. Well, that's good. Yeah, I mean, I need to do that sometimes. I was actually fine uh, for most of Monday. I stayed up to like ten thirty, eleven at least, and I was like, okay. I know you're going to say something at the hour now, but no, I was good. Uh, then I hit the wall Monday night. Somehow, like, it went, I worked out Monday, which I, I always do, and it's like, I can do it, it's just that my body's just at, like, 70% of, of, like, strength. And then I hit Monday night, and then, bam, then I slept 14 hours. And I've ne- I never sleep over, like, 9 hours, ever. And so I slept from, like, 8.30, passed out after going to the buffet, come home, passed out from 8.30 until, like, uh, 10, 11 the next day. Like that was just it was it was like ridiculous amount of sleep that I never get. Or it was like no, it was like seven thirty to like ten the next day. Yeah, it was definitely like thirteen hours at least. It was ridiculous. Jeez. Yeah, and but um, it, but I needed it, and now I'm like I was fine after that. I'm like still, yeah. I, I'm I'm learning to deal with it better every, every year. I think I I think we we eat and hydrate better after the first couple of years. We sort of learn how to uh, do that. Certainly. I mean, we're already rolling into our first topic, which is NES marathon recap. Oh, are we? I feel like we are. Way to announce that. You know, well, so. I mean, we're talking about the marathon. We're going to roll right into it. Um, hydration is so super freaking key for something like that. When oh, you yeah. are, uh, especially when you're sitting in one place, you know, you don't feel thirsty. It's one of those things where you, the doctors will give you the advice, you know, drink when you don't feel thirsty. You know, you have to yes. maintain this level of fluid anyway. Yeah. We're not running around. We're not out in the hot, hot heat. But, uh, I mean, we... we're constantly talking. We're constantly moving. We're constantly thinking. We're constantly playing games. That's all draining your energy and, one way or the other. And, you know, keeping your fluid levels um, adequate is going to help you stay awake 
if you're trying to stay awake for yeah. 24 hours at a time. You know, if, if you if you're not drinking enough, you do get drowsy. You start to tire out. Your muscles start to hurt, and that's when you run into you know problems with something like that when you're sitting still for so long. Yeah, or, or we don't have shifts. I I, I mean, like um, Desert Bus for Hope is this weekend. They do like three four days, but they have shifts of people that come in and help. It's multiple people. For us, it's just us. Not saying we're better, but, I mean, it's a different sort of beast in terms of what we're doing. It's a different vibe. You get a different experience from it. Yeah. You can see us go a little batty, a little, you know, what, what would have you. But uh, that's part of the I think that's why people like it. And, no, we switched to Twitch for the first time. And uh, well, I guess we were happy with that with that change uh, from testing. It seemed more stable. It's surprising, and, too, because we, we fought that for so long. So that, fought that for the last two years because usually Ustream did, uh, would push us to the front page. Uh, of them, of their uh, when they used to promote actual events, they yeah. pushed it to the front page. They gave us more resources. They helped push it. On you know, it was like, wow, we, we, this helped get us views. So the last year, it was sort of they were sort of going away from that business angle. They don't they don't push. If you go to the front page of Ustream now, you don't see anything anymore. They don't show events. They've changed it to sort of like a business uh, sort of sort of just business solution Ustream. Yeah, like a teleconferencing sort of. Yeah, thing. It's, yeah, it's like a teleconferencing sort of solution instead of what it used to be. It used to be just an alternative to Justin TV. It used to be an alternative to live stream. Right. And now you only have what well, is live streaming around anymore, and you have Twitch, and that's basically what you have left for. But yeah, the second, and, the second and third year, they they did us great favors to you know they put us on the front page. They gave us uh, Even the first ex- year too. Yeah, and they gave us expanded bandwidth. You know, yeah. they they. They really, you know, it, because it was a charity marathon and it was something that at the time was still kind of new, um, they, they definitely did things differently for us, which was nice. But that's just not available now. And, you know, Twitch turned out to be a really great secondary option. Yeah, and I know more people are on Twitch in general, so it's easier for them to find, I guess, randomly. Yeah. And plus there was the whole raid thing, which wouldn't have happened on Ustream. We can talk about that a little bit. Let's address that real quick. So so it was during, I think it was a like commercial break, about probably like eight hours in. It was like probably, what, seven o'clock at night or it's eight o'clock at night sure. on Saturday something like that yeah and someone else so basically we come back and you have to understand we're new to twitch and this raid thing is apparently like a a twitch thing we come back and in previous years we have had problems with chat being with trolls with trolls people trying to take it over people trying to take it over and flooded so we come back from the marathon or from our break and we just see raid you know hashtag raid being uh you know, hundreds uh, just being flooded in the chat room. And Pat and I, and I don't think this is unreasonable, uh, we panic. And I mean, we immediately. It wasn't so much a panic. It was like, what the hell is this? this? So we immediately start banning some people. And we, we come to find out that this is a, a, a Twitch thing. And it's it, basically when one live stream ends, people pick another live stream to go raid. And basically, they get all those viewers. So it's meant, it, it's meant to be a friendly thing. It's meant to help out a stream. But. You have to understand that when someone is new to a service like that and they don't understand what this is, it, that looks extremely hostile. I mean, I, I mean, I, I hate to say that, and don't tell me that I need to read up on Twitch no, rules, think, pet practices, I, and things I don't, like that. I think it's hostile either way. I don't care if it's supposed to be friendly. The fact of the matter is, they're taking over uh, your chat and disrupting it, and it wasn't like every person posting it one time. I don't think it was like. It went on for a couple minutes at least. It was not stopping. It might have been. I just feel like something like that is like it's cool, like that you want to pass your viewers on to someone else, but you don't have to announce your your, your arrival yeah. in the chat room. Um, no, to me, to me, that comes more of a look how cool I am versus 
We're just going to watch this. Yeah, just show up. Do I sound ungrateful? I don't give a shit if I sound ungrateful. It's 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 our event. I don't want to sound know. ungrateful because eyes mean more money raised. But I, at the same point in time, I, I feel like the people who got pissed really just weren't seeing things from the other end of yeah. the spectrum. Um, and yeah, it, it came across as strange and weird. And like I said, my initial reaction to it after previous marathons of something similar happening was that okay, we're dealing with our yearly hostile attack on the chat room. We yeah. have to fix this. Yeah, and so it's not like we even said anything really rude. I'm just like, well, there's people just being assholes again because, like, every year we deal, we deal with, with assholes yeah, we every year. Yeah, we're not yeah. <laughs> we're not specifically trying to single you out for trying to, you know, bring us viewership. But, yeah, this is something that we're used to, and we just figured we were de- dealing with the status quo that, that we've dealt with every year, which is a couple moments where we need to take control of the chat room and fix a problem. Yeah. But but I mean for overall though the chat went well we averaged about that that raid got us whatever you an extra eight hundred thousand people at that point eight uh, for a while eight hundred yeah I mean but we were pushing we three thousand viewers for a while but we were averaging eighteen hundred to two thousand viewers for most of the event mm-hmm. which was a lot more than the year before we double than what we more than do. double more than double well more than double of last year and double of what I, th- I think even our highest ever was highest ever I think we used to, we used to top out around eighteen hundred when we show like the AVGN video in the past okay. or something like that but we were definitely going above and beyond so thanks to those people that stayed with us the whole time um, obviously uh people uh know know the marathon more from last year that much more more than double i don't know about that i know my youtube uh, channel has more than doubled the past year so maybe that's something to do with it a little bit but uh, we got all the nes marathon moments out that week uh i think uh the the our quote-unquote celebrity guests uh, also helped push it a lot that week and guys like andre meadows and james rolf and, and brent's always good for pushing it pro jared so we thank them for getting the word out. So, yeah, we raised more than we ever did before. We raised well, $20,000, which is really cool. Yeah, that's insane. And, I mean, not to sell ourselves short, but uh, the podcast has grown. And I think just the podcast alone, has, you know, brought attention to the marathon because we we talked about it on multiple episodes. So I think even just doing this helped the, the marathon as well. Yeah. So um, lots of cool moments we had again, of course. Um, so... I don't know when I don't know when we're gonna uh, when I'm gonna put up uh, the the uh, the marathon for viewing. The cool thing about Ustream was it was cool to having a feature that you can put them up in pieces and people could watch it. Yeah, they and could pay for like the whole thing and yeah, fifty cents apart, whatever it was. You yeah, know, yeah. a dollar apart. Because I don't want the, I don't want the whole thing on Ustream for lots of reasons. I don't I don't want to have my whatever we we say stuff off the cuff or whatever else. It's not something that I want. 27 hours of me eating up on YouTube willy-nilly people to pick apart or download or re-upload or manipulate. It's just you mean not... on YouTube? Yeah, what did I say? You what? said Ustream. Yeah, that's what I mean. On YouTube, I don't want them to just... You know what I mean? I want some control over this is something we did. Um, so that's why I have it released usually on my website. So if you really want it, you go to the website, you can watch it. I usually, I, I, I rotate in the past hour blocks rotated free, and if you want to pay for the whole thing, you pay for the whole thing and watch it at your, at your leisure. Because, boy, do I say some stuff. You say some stuff. I do say some stuff. We did, we, we did talk about you know what it's like with forest porn when you're when you're thirteen, fourteen years old. That yeah, was a good. That was a that, really good. Segment. And I marked all the good mar- marathon moments as they happened this year. There was about ten or twelve of them. I had a lot of fun um, when you walked in with the belt. And that was the funny thing. You know, you, you you feel you feel with it right until something happens, and you walked in with the belt, and. I was like, wow, what a what a surprise this is. Despite the fact that you had talked to me all week about how you couldn't find belts at the toy store and you ordered a belt online. You still forgot and about it. And it was supposed to come in. And then I tripped over that 
fucking package that morning when running <laughs> to go get something. Yeah, and I should have. And I was like, oh, that's the belt. And then come the next <laughs> morning, I'm like, where'd you pack get this belt from? What the fuck is this shit? Well, what was funny about that was I totally forgot I ordered it, and the reason I ordered it was because. I, I remember, I, I, I told you, I was trying to keep it a surprise, but I, I didn't re- remember that I told you about I wanted to get the belt. Well, don't worry, my brain I know. kept it a surprise. I, I was, <laughs> obviously, mine did too for myself. But Target did not have the, the world heavyweight, the heavyweight Ric Flair, you know, old WCW belt, which I, think, I guess they stopped making. Because online, it was like 50 bucks off of Target. You can't get it anymore. That's the belt I really wanted. Right. But the second w- w- belt, I wanted to get the IC belt, which looks good. Yeah. The tag team belt looks like crap. The WWE uh, 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 belt looks like crap, which they got rid of because now it's the world heavyweight title. And the uh, the U.S. title looks like crap. Yeah. So that was the only acceptable one. So I had to order off Amazon. And so it came Saturday afternoon. And at first, I didn't know what the hell it was when it came. I was like, what the hell? I, it didn't even like, didn't, oh. I, I mean, like, now this is what it is. So I was trying to get it going while you were away. I was like trying to put the little Velcro thing on. And it fit around my waist barely. That's a case. Yeah. Yeah, but it fits. yeah, no, it shouldn't have been a surprise to me, but it, it was a surprise to me. And then later on, I was like, I bet. All right. No, Pat told me. Pat definitely told me about that a week ago. <laughs> so, so basically, then what that means is next year I'm gonna have an ice hockey medal. I'm gonna have a rock and ball belt. So, so you have your one belt. I'll have my other eight well, dusty diamond belt. I'm gonna, have, I'm gonna come in with all the straps. The IC belt's gonna be the only one that matters. Yeah. Oh yeah. You say that, but you want you wanted to, you wanted no, to win Techno I, World Wrestling. And, I, you know. I, I, no, that one really means nothing to me. <laughs> I, I, pro wrestling is the only one that means ice hockey. Techno Bowl every year means something to you at the start. Techno, until you, until you no, start no, it meant something to me this year. That's something I'm always going to be an underdog at. But Tecmo Bowl means something to me, and Rock and Ball means something to me. Tecmo World Wrestling doesn't. I like the game, but um, it's not pro wrestling. That's where the oh, rivalry yeah. is. That's, where, that's, where, that's is. where the rivalry is. But uh, uh, um, the, the thing the thing about the um, oh, what was going to say uh, about Dusty Diamond. Yeah, but it's not really a wrestling belt. But whatever, I'll think of something for that. But no, the thing about Tecmo uh, Super Bowl was that. You, it was much more even because Eli Manning, they made terrible in the game. I couldn't complete a pass in the game. Yeah. I couldn't complete... The year before, I did like five long passes to Victor Cruz. This year, I don't think Victor Cruz had any passes this year. Well... It was so bad. I was like, wow. I know I know. Eli got a lot of uh, interceptions last year, but most of them weren't his fault. And they just nerfed him like anything. I was like, oh, jeez. And I feel like the Bills were better. Like, stats-wise, they had upped him a little bit this year. Um, you know, we always pick the same teams because of obvious reasons but um you know when i used and i did i I used to be quite good at techno super bowl we used to play just the standard cart and we'd have friends over and there were house rules but i just i just used to play as the bills and the bills in the standard cart are a really good team so it's you know i i always think about that sort of thing and that that's why um that's probably why i was fairly decent at the game was because i was actually using a genuinely good team sure so we had fun doing it i think this year went fairly smooth it did um, Except for we had to upgrade the software. Every year it's something. Last year actually was a was the smoothest one I think tech, technology wise. Last year, yeah. This year we we had to pay to upgrade our Wirecast because uh, the for some and I'm sure someone in the comments now will say, oh, we could have done this, but we were stressed and we just decided to drop the money on it. We couldn't get we couldn't get it to generate the code that we needed to to stream to Twitch. Twitch because yeah. it had finally gone over completely from Justin TV to Twitch. to Twitch and we couldn't figure out how to get a code so, generated on our so, old version. So we actually, you know, legally own Wirecast now, which is not, it's nice to legally own software. Yeah. <laughs> so that's it's nice to do that. And because we use it for the podcast, we use it for that. 
Um, and, and it worked out. It worked out well. It, the interface is fantastic. Yeah, the new interface. I mean, I didn't touch it this year because I need to get accustomed to some of the changes. But it looked a lot it's simpler. Yeah, it's a lot simpler. Cleaner. And we, we we actually recorded the stream to the hard drive, so when the clips go up, they'll look a lot better than us in the past relying on what UStream uh, received and then us downloading. Which usually was actually pretty good, but now it'll look better. It'll be full full thirty frames, full HD. That will be. You know, for the for for all posterity. So, for any, I, I do want to point out um, for any uh, people who are listening, who are watching and participating in the, the the podcast, real quick while it's on my mind. I have been sick all week. Um, I will start to email out codes tomorrow and Sunday. Get addresses, and yeah. we'll get addresses to mail out prizes Monday or Tuesday. We've always been good form. No one needs to worry. But yeah, I have felt like balls, so uh, that would explain the delay. And I know it's just a code and an email, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna trickle this out. I'm gonna sit down and do it all at once. You also look like a pasty ball. Yeah, right I know. Now. I feel like a pasty ball right now. There's been times where I think it was like three weeks ago, I, was, I, I felt terrible. You looked like how I felt that one mm. time. Uh, so, so uh, this this came out, and no, this was not a new uh, Wii game. Star Wars The Force Awakens title was revealed to be the Episode 7 title. For comes out December 2015. Of course, this is a Disney venture now since they bought Star Wars already. They bought it... Um, Two years ago, yeah, almost they 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 got the rights to to basically all the you know Lucasfilm stuff. Um, so I think most people think this is a pretty good title. I mean, there's not many details known yet on on this, but I have some guesses that might come to pass about what sort of this title uh, sort of means. But I, what do you think about the title overall? And that's always a big thing. I think it's a pretty good title. For... Yeah, I do too. A lot of the people I've talked to, I can't believe we're discussing a title. <laughs> but um, it's always a big yeah, sort of thing. A lot of people that I've talked to have, it is, especially with Star Wars, um, a lot of people I've talked to haven't liked it, um, which is weird. Online, the reaction seems mixed. I don't understand how you can get really worked up over a title. Um, I like it because I think it really hints at where the movie's kind mm-hmm. of going to start off. I think... It's going to take place, you know, timeline-wise, obviously, after um, Return of the Jedi. And I think it's going to be in a time where the Force is kind of regarded as a myth or kind of as a... As a, as a it's, it's, it's had its heyday. It's done. Right, exactly. It's it, just maybe, maybe you have Luke, you have Leia using a little bit, and maybe they're kids. And, but there's no, there's no more probably uh, Jedi Council around, mm-hmm. obviously. Yes. They're still trying to rebuild the Republic. You know, there's, there's no school. There's no Jedi Temple. So that, that that would yeah, there's no there's thinking. probably no Sith, or so we probably think there's no Sith probably beginning of the movie. It's like it's kind of just, you know, what's what's the force right now? Right. So I think I think the title hints to kind of like a clean slate for the movies sure. and the films, which is great. Which is yes, that's actually very heartening for me because the more and more I think about the prequels and I try to justify any enjoyment I had from them, which was mostly drug related. Uh, I mean, I hate them. I mean, I always have, but like, even when I go back to them, I, 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 I dislike them even more every time I think about them. Um, so I really yeah. kind of want something to to erase that taste from my yeah. mouth. I, I mean, I'm not gonna obviously taste in film is subjective, but overall, critically, uh, the prequels are failures, especially uh, episode one and two. Or if, Revenge of the Sith has its moments, even that narratively is a mess this is how i described because we were actually talking about this at work earlier because even though i'm not a huge star wars fan well, yeah. working yeah. yeah i know but when you work in a video game store things like star wars just come up out of the blue and you have to talk sure. about it and 
the skeleton of the movie, the basic framework of the film, I had no problem with. Revenge of the Sith? Yeah. Like, I enjoyed kind of how it was tying things together. I enjoyed what the story wanted to be and the general idea behind it. But the acting was just so bad and the directing was just so bad that it took what could have been a really enjoyable chapter of that movie and made it, I mean, honestly, nearly unwatchable. Well, I've always uh, this is uh, this will become the whole what Pat would have done with with the prequels. No one asked for no one asked to see a nine year old Anakin. No one ever envisioned that they wanted to see that. My buddy said that earlier. He no said, one did. Yeah. So you make episode two, episode one. Hell, you can keep the plot the same mm-hmm. for the most part. Start him as a teenager, a whiny teenager, or what have you. Start there, and then basically the stuff that happens in episode three can be split over two two movies to let it breathe, let the Clone Wars breathe, and and the aftermath of that, and then. Have the whole turn be the entire third movie instead of the second half of the third movie where, right. oh, oh, you you know, all of a sudden the Emperor's skin is now foldy and, you know, I'm going to slice off Mace's hand and so now I'm evil. Like, that's, that's, that was the turn to well, the Darth no, Vader. No, the turn was, let, let's kill all these kids. And it's like, no, no, the turn was before that, though. He right. anointed him Darth Vader before that yeah. just so he has a chance of saving Padme, which, again, after all the hoopla about... Why does this guy turn evil? Oh, because he's heartbroken. That's why he turns into the most evil villain in, in cinema history because he because he's heartbroken. You know, that's basically it. That can be any movie. So it's like well, it, I was say that everything be... was a letdown. Supposedly, the, the word is is that when George Lucas first sh- showed the first draft of that film, Revenge of the Sith, to the staff and everything, they even said they didn't understand why Anakin turned. That's not good when you're showing that to like the people and creative like why like they don't they didn't get it. The people who you are know. supposed to be the most behind you don't understand what yeah. the hell you're doing. Yeah, so yeah, that's bad. So here's the thing. Here's why. Obviously, you have a much better director. Lucas is so far away from these films. Um, you have Abrams doing them, and if it's a, if it's the style, if it's the style of the two new Star Trek uh, films, that's fine because I mean, they're more like Star Wars films than Star Trek anyway. You know, in, in terms of the tone. Um, but I like the fact that especially that. The the, numer- the numeral uh, seven is not front and center. It's gone. Yeah, it's almost like this is a whole new start oh, of of a sort of right. new series of films. No numeral Force Awakens. It's I I have a feeling that by the second one they do, lo- all vestiges of the past movies will be gone. Sure. I mean it, the lore will exist, but the characters such as Luke and Leia. And I'm all sure. That, I'm sure Luke will still be in there. I think. I, I, I feel like the... And it's not that I don't like those characters, and it's not that I don't think they can do something with those characters. They're not going to kill off all the original characters. No, they're not going to kill them off. No, what I'm saying is, though, the, the the sooner they try to make it their own thing and stop trying to bring in parts from past sure. movies, the better off that sure. whole series uh, is going to be. I was actually surprised when they announced that Han Solo would come back. Right, me too. I thought that, well, his story's sort of over. Why not just at least have him a cameo, but don't make him a main character or have him sort of do his own thing. I always knew that you know Luke would be like the Jedi Master like Obi-Wan was. That made sense. Yeah, but, but just like Obi-Wan wasn't actually a major character in New Hope, that doesn't mean that Luke what? has to be a... I mean, he was he a major is, but, character in New Hope. Okay, New Hope he was. Not at, not so much afterwards. I guess that's what I'm killed. getting at. That's, I guess that's yeah. what I'm getting at. So this they don't be, have to this, kill him off. This will be the bridge movie. Yeah. This will be the bridge movie, and we'll see what happens. I'll be, I, think, I think it's going to be cool. I have mixed feelings about them um, not basically saying uh, the... the, the Expanded universe canon and now it doesn't exist anymore. Mixed feelings because there was some cool stuff that they had with that. I, I know they had the Air of the Empire and the Thrawn trilogy, and not that you expected that to be these movies, but if they were, I think people would have been juiced for that because those were really highly regarded in the '90s as as good books. I feel like we've discussed this before, maybe not on here, but personally, my whole thing with that is I understand, but we are getting to the point where the people who really care about that stuff are not the target audience for these movies anymore, sure. and to bring that stuff in risks confusing more people than it does 
Well, I don't know about confusing because they're not going to know that was based on books from 20 years ago. Whether they came out in 93, those books about? Well, sure, but that's, that's the other point. I mean, these are t- books that are 20 years old. They don't really need that stuff. But by not addressing it, you don't exactly have to wipe it from canon. You just don't have to address it. Well, they, they chose not to do that. I'm more, not upset, but I always loved the, the character of Kyle Katarn from the, from the Dark Forces video games. And that was always sort of kind of canon and now I guess it's not that, no that was supposed to be totally canon he was, was a guy that personally got the Death Star plans you know he you know he existed in that universe he was in you know um, well he wasn't in Shadows of the Empire but he was always around Kyle Kotarn and I guess Shadows of the Empire doesn't matter anymore either but that was always kind of a weird sort of thing anyway Shadows of the Empire but now you got video, you got video games that aren't canon anymore which is kind of weird because before they Lucas was always like okay that kind of as a comic book reader, canon is fucking overrated, dude. It doesn't matter. As but it's long- a video game. It should matter as a video game. <laughs> as long as the movie is good, I don't give a shit what it's doing to canon. Yeah. So, speaking of video games, moving on. Because I'm so good with these segues, especially right now. You were awesome at the segues. People don't see see the seams at all. <laughs> Activision. Uh, was Activision-y. And uh, Activision's blocked SharePlay on PS4 for Call of Duty Advanced Warfare. And actually, there's... What no is re- SharePlay? Let's, there's we, been, talk, we talked about this like eight, no, nine we'll months ago. And there's been, uh, there's been reports that it's also been blocked for ghosts uh, retroactively. Um, so what SharePlay is, is it's the ability where uh, a person who owns a game can share a game uh, to someone else on their friends list uh, in 60-minute chunks, basically, they can play um, without owning a copy. And Sony, it's really, I think it's like two weeks old, and Sony announced when they announced it and they were talking about it and really getting into the nitty gritty, they said, you know, there was questions are what about third party developers? And they said all PS4 games will, you know, be share play enabled. And uh, apparently that's not the case with Activision. So Activision doesn't want you to be able to digitally lend out your games to friends. Activision themselves has said that the reason for doing so is because that the feature is new. And they want to ensure a quality play experience for everyone involved, which is the fucking response that every company gives for everything ever when they fuck you in the ass. They, um, they said they said our engineers did not have access to it before it launched. Yeah, blow why me. wouldn't they? So we so we haven't had a chance to evaluate it to see how it will impact the experience across all modes of play. So of course we we wouldn't include a feature in our game that, without having the chance to test it. Of course we wouldn't do anything that allows people to play our game without spending money. Um, so here's the deal: Sony put in a sensor option that basically allowed... Um, I'm not sure exactly how it works, but it was to prevent spoilers from being leaked by so, doing so, yeah, this. So publishers could choose, okay, I don't want... You can play, but I don't want them to see this cutscene, so we'll put something over the screen so you right. can't see it. What Activision chose to do was censor everything. <laughs> yeah, which is really funny. When you think about <laughs> I mean, it's, censor it's, the entire game. It's kind you, of... You can try to play it. It's not going to work out. But, it, it's kind of hilarious. Um, Here's the thing, though. I, I mean... Doesn't Activision have the right to do this? Well, yes, and he, but this is my problem with it on both ends. Activision comes across looking like greedy douchebags like they always do. Well, yeah. And Sony comes across as looking really fucking stupid because who the fuck... I mean, why do you tell people that everyone's going to sign on for this? No, not everyone's going to sign on for this. Sure. Especially because, okay, so it's 60 minutes at a time, but you have unlimited shares. And you can immediately share it right back to the same person. Oh, you can? So they can yes. play it forever. They can play it forever. For like a six-hour chunk of time. But with, like, but with the stipulation that I believe you have to be on the, the, the console, and you have to basically every 60 minutes go reshare, basically. So, but, but basically, though, you, could have, you can have an entire gameplay session with your friend. They, yes. never can, they never can pay for it. So, I mean, Activision does have that right, um, but I think 
I just hate that corporate speak. Just come out and say it. Just come out and say you want to make say, the fucking money. Well, no one's ever going to say that, though. Yeah, come but I, I, I really fucking... It drives me nuts. No one's ever going to say I that. I know. So Sony should never have promised something that was so painfully, obviously not going to be true. And Activision should just come out and say, buy our game. If you want to play our game, buy our game. Well, we know that, they, that their, their sales have been down versus previous Call of Duty no, years. I, so. No, not this one. This one's sold like fucking hotcakes. Oh, the pre-sales were down, though. Yeah, well, pre-sales are down on everything, and we'll touch on a little bit of that later. But, uh, yeah, I just, I don't know. I mean, it's, 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 a, it's a bumble on both parts. I don't really think, I mean, I, I hate to say it, I don't honestly think Activision is really the main party at blame here. I think it's Sony. I think it's just so weird that like you can do this to begin with, and people didn't think there was going to be something like this that was going to happen well, the thing at is, some point. I have to be honest with you, and uh, maybe I'll get flamed in the threads, or maybe someone will explain it, but um, I've read things on SharePlay. I have a fucking PS4, and I don't really understand how it works. <laughs> I, I really don't. I mean, I think that's the biggest barrier that Activision it's, doesn't need to worry about. It's funny, because they're, they're instituting something that Xbox wanted to institute, Xbox One, about sharing the entire game. And Sony's kind of done that a little bit, you know. So right. it's, it's kind of weird. With a, with like a, an annoyance restriction of you yeah. have to change. You have to, you have mean, to every hour. You have to be like, yes, they can play more. See, I didn't know that. I thought it was just one hour, and that's it to try out the game. This is now well, oh, we, can, we can just we can just each buy a game each, and then just. No, well, the thing is, is I would never use it because a game like that, any game that I'm going to get really into, you know, any game that I'm likely to play for less than yeah, hour burst, get your Doritos out, get out your Mountain Dew, bro. Is is it is it fuck off? Is a downloadable <laughs> title that I'm going to pay the fifteen dollars for? Sure. And anything that I'm going to want to plunk down and put my time into is not something that I'm going to have to. I, I don't want to have to coordinate that with you. I'm just going to go out and buy the game. So to me, I don't think the feature sounds that attractive, other than maybe trying out a game. And I, I'm I'm the guy who doesn't even play demos. At this point, I know what I'm going to enjoy and what I'm not, and my disappointing surprises are few and far between. You know, I, so I, honestly, the whole thing is not a big deal to me. I just think it's kind of silly. Silly like people paying too much for Atari landfill cards. Okay, yeah, this is so. I, I expected people to pay money for this, but Jesus Christ! Let, I, I'm going to say something right now. Okay. They said that there are still 800 to yeah. about 1,200 more to go up on eBay. Okay. So why pay 250 now when you can probably get the ass end for like 50 bucks? Let's back up here. So Alan McGordo, they did the, they did the landfill for the Atari carts. They found they they dug up a small <laughs> portion of them. Now keep in mind, we'll come back to that. A small portion of them. Yes. Documentary for for Xbox. I saw it at Comic Con with James. I did a review of it. Blah 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 blah. Howard Scott Warshaw, cool guy. So they want to make money. The the, uh, the town, yeah, That's it's, cool. it's, they own it's their property. So they they put these up on eBay about uh, a week ago. They just ended. Most of them ended today or yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, these are all complete in box, crushed box, and loose carts. Uh, looks like centipede. Um, looks like you have obviously ET carts. Some are still in plastic. Uh, I think missile command. Um, so they put up uh, phoenix carts. And what's cool about them is that they are individually numbered. There is a certificate of authenticity. I, I have not examined it they closely. They put up Phoenix cards? Yeah, I just saw one here. There's a Sword Quest one. Oh, I'd, I'd actually get a Phoenix card. That's kind you of would cool. on a landfill? You're part of the problem. So here's the thing, though. Not for two, not not for that money. They went, uh, the loose ones went for like maybe about $100 to, if you want to, you know, um, Defender, 220 for a boxed one. The ET ones, at least a grand, up to like $1,400 $1,500 for a destroyed E.T. cartridge from the landfill. You're paying for garbage. Here, it's literally garbage, but here's the, here's the problem. 
here's the big problem. Now, I know people, these, these are a lot of people that are probably like quasi-celebrities or people that are celebrities that find out about this. I don't want to drop the money on this. Me, personally, I have very little interest in this. <clears throat> No, neither do I. I mean, I just like, I, I would maybe joking. spend like forty dollars on one. That's like oh. sort of like my sort of where I'm at to what I think these are valued. At. I like Phoenix as a game. If I could get one for twenty five, you'd want one just just, just just because just because. But I'm not, I'm not paying over. You're not that. paying hundreds of yeah. dollars. Actually, the, the loose ET ones went for like seven hundred dollars. Just the loose ones. That's fucking dumb. Here, here's the weird thing about this. What's to, first of all? You said there's more of these that they can sell. No, they they have. Already stated, there's like 800 to another 1200 that they're going to put up. So these, so the price is going to drop precipitously. Yeah. Unless you had to be the first person to get it. So let's just say, let's just say the first batch ET lose for 700. Second batch may they go for 400. Third batch may they go for 200. There's going to be diminishing sort of returns for. There's only a certain amount of people for any collectible that are willing to spend top dollar for something until you run, until you run out of those people. Yeah. That you run out of people that are willing to spend a thousand dollars on an ET landfill car. At that point, then the value comes down, which means either you should have waited or now I've gotten so hyped about it to begin with. What's to keep Almagordo to go back and say, "Wow, this is a cash cow." What right. if we What if we go dig up twenty thousand more of these and do the same exact thing mm-hmm. next year? Sure. Then all of a sudden, you think you're. Uh, ET card that you spent fifteen hundred on. Yeah, it's limited now. Now there's five hundred of them instead of only a couple of dozen. Now what? Not saying, not saying that it's bad to go out and buy these things, but I wonder if people are thinking about this aspect of it. No, that these are not limited. There's a ton of these. They only dig up a very small amount of these to begin with. I, I, of course, I don't know the cost of them to go back and get the permits and redig them up. But now the town knows it. I don't think the town expected them to sell a cart for fifteen hundred dollars for one cart. I didn't expect. I, I figured this was stuff that was going to go for a hundred and twenty to a few hundred dollars. A few hundred dollars for an ET cart, a complete box smashed up. Yeah, that seems reasonable. Fifteen hundred dollars. Holy shit. Yeah. Shit. That's all I can say. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so I wish I had them. So here's the other bad thing about this. Uh, I didn't look up any, a lot of the bids. I didn't see if there's if there's uh, scalpers. God forbid if you're a reseller of these, I, whatever. Uh, that's just really bad. But um, I, I'm really, really in my heart of hearts hoping that these are embossed certificates. That these are not easily counterfeited, right? Forgeable. Because then what's what's to keep some from smashing up some ET cards that are worth five du- bucks each or two dollars? Throw them in the dirt for a couple days and then print up their own sheets. You know what I mean? Like and this is weird stuff now. And the thing is, there's. These are garbage carts that are worth there's, thousands of dollars. There's, there's too many of them for people, I think, to all collectively get together like you do with a true collectible, like a world championships cart, and make a database of numbers. No, so, you need to contact so no, the town. Yeah, so no one is going to necessarily know if a, if a counterfeit comes up. Hopefully it's not an issue. Hopefully it is a harder counterfeit. Skip yeah. Hopefully we get to see close up. I'm sure you can probably now. But. There is a certificate of authenticity. Where it looks like it, they're signed, but they, they could. I mean, all it takes is one person to buy one of these certificates and then scan it and then redo their own. There is a seal on it, but anything can be counterfeited. They'd counterfeit $30,000 Neo Geo cards, for God's sake. They can do a piece of paper. And the other certificate it looks like there is a, a metal embossing on it. These can be counterfeited, though. You can counterfeit these. You well, know, this is not going to be a problem. I'm saying, I'm saying if you're industrious enough to do it, you will do this. But I'm, again, that's not even the issue. The issue is there are tons of more of these underground stuff. But I have a feeling that by the end of this run, by the time they finish with what they have, it's not going to be worth it to counterfeit them. It's, I, it's going to just drop I, I more and more. it's going to drop more They're going to drop more to more. like $100, $200 carts. Yeah. I mean, counterfeiters are stupid. They are. But um, I, I, I think that 
if it drops below a certain amount or if Alamogordo makes any incline, any noise about possibly digging up more, counterfeiters are going to realize it's not worth their time. Sure. But I'm also just still worried about one person doing it. You know, it's, it's, you know there's shitty people out there. Yeah, but... I mean, even just one in the marketplace. Buy it, beware, though. It's your response to me. Yeah, fuck, fuck off. off. Whoa. <laughs> Jinx. So we always we always agree about that. Yeah, we do agree about that. That's one of the few things. So we talk about a viral we talk about a viral video that we don't usually talk about these, but this one the reason I want to talk about too many cooks for a couple reasons. Alright. One, it's it's not like some sort of guy getting beat up or beaten up or girls fighting viral video from on World Star. You know, it, it's not it's not um you know, anything like that. It's not a, a, a dumb Gungan style music video. This is an extremely well done produced Adult Swim short film. That's eleven minutes long. Usually viral videos are like thirty seconds. It's like five minute. minutes too long. It's eleven minutes. But I know. Here's what's interesting about this. <laughs> if it's too long. I don't think it's too long. I I just think that um, what's what is it? What what is too many cooks? Too many cooks is a parody of eighties and nineties uh, sitcom openings. They use the Full House font. It, you know, it has like the Family Matters and, and you know Perfect Stranger sort of opening. The song sounds like a song that could have been there for a sitcom. Mm-hmm. It sounds like it would, it could have been if you plug that into a you know TGIF on ABC. It sounds like it could have fit. So you have like all the quintessential characters. You have the hapless dead, you know, and you have the, the you know the little baby, and you have the sassy grandmother show up, and they sm- they stop and smile at the camera, which is what they always did in those eighty shows like Full House and Family Matters. Like whatever they're doing, they stop. Turn to the camera and smile like awkwardly. So the thing is, is that when you first watch this, and my f- experience first watching this is that the first two minutes, like okay, this is a somewhat clever joke. First two minutes, it uh, the first minute is like an entire opening because back then, opening sitcoms were about a minute for yeah. the full version. Then it happens again within the same house, but now you have like the tomboy girl, and now you have like the the dorky scientist kid, and it's mm-hmm. like okay, we remember seeing that in shows too. You have you have looks like Joey Lawrence as the neighbor, clever. Th- they do the third minute. And then, then it goes into um, like now they're in the workplace, and now they have now they have a sort of a, a Roseanne turn turn around the, the table sort of thing. But now the, the first the first inkling that this is something could be something different is that the family goes from you know the Caucasian to the black family. Like okay, now they're doing something weird. And then it goes to a female cop next to a shirtless fireman, and now it goes to a whole T.J. Hooker Hill Street Hill Street Blues cop drama opening. Like okay, now this is going someplace weirder. So the joke, right, right when the joke starts to get old, it's it starts to change, and then that's what I think what, why this has caught on is because it's not just one joke that keeps going; it goes into this weird, absurdist sort of place, and it keeps getting stranger and stranger. And I'm not one usually for absurdist Adult Swim humor because honestly, I think a lot of it is lazy. It's just randomness is funny, so we're gonna put a lots of random shit on the screen, which can be funny, but it can't sustain itself. This sustains itself because it tries to do something uh, different and actually has a somewhat of a like narrative that goes on throughout the eleven minutes. So, I mean, I watched it and I, I got sort of the same thing from you uh, that you did. Um, you know, uh, at this point, I assume most of our listeners, viewers, have, have watched it, and if you haven't, well, it's an eleven minutes short. I'm not ruining much. Uh, it turns into sort of like a, a slasher thing, and you start trying to figure out what's going on. Um, my problem with it is it's kind of the exact opposite of what Pat said. I got into a lot of the Adult Swim absurdist stuff 
when it was first coming out, Aqua Teen, uh, C-Lab 2020, Space Ghost. Mm-hmm. Uh, no surprises to me when at the end uh, it showed William Street was behind it because it, it's, a, it's a William Street production through and through. Um, but it just, it nothing about it struck me as particularly humorous. I mean, I chuckled at certain things. Uh, like the it, obvious reference to Clarissa explains it all, but even though yes, you're right, it kept it kept morphing into something new. Sure. You know, the joke kept morphing into something new. It kept it kept spoofing something else, and um, I was paying attention to like numbers and how many times people turned and what was happening and how many times things happened. I'm sure that if you look online right now, there's tons of hidden messages in it, like there is in a Boards of Canada song. I'm sure these people probably made this and they built a lot of stuff in there for people to think about. But there is no point to it. And well, that's to me, it, 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 to me, it just got frustrating because the name Too Many Cooks, they, I think when you watch, when I watch this, they wanted you to look for something different. But really, I think it doesn't go any deeper than the name is Too Many Cooks, a bunch of guys at William Street got together, they had a bunch of these stupid ideas, yeah. they put them together in one thing, and that's the end result. And I don't think it actually goes any deeper than that. Well, well here's the thing. Which is funny because the creators went on Reddit and people had these really cool sort of um, theories about what it all sure, means. Right. And they were responding. But they were like, wow, that's a cool idea. You can interpret it how you want, though. Which, when people write things, sometimes that happens. Or creators, usually people start interpreting things that the creator uh, didn't intend. But that doesn't make the theories any less valid. No, you can't no, apply it, them to that. It doesn't. Which is, what, which is what makes this great because you're doing this for a short film. On YouTube, that on a video went viral. People have all these weird theories about what does this mean? Is, does it say something about uh, too many cooks being too many people in the creative process? Are these bad sitcoms? Is is this yes. um, is this the killer trying to save save uh, the, the creative medium of TV by killing all these bad characters? Is it, what is just when Smart pushes the button? What happens? Does he push the button or not? Is this now like Inception at the end? Like this is. Even though they didn't plan on this being like this, the fact that it's become something like this makes this something cooler than what I think was, well, it's just a, a dumb thing. Which, yeah, it's just a dumb thing, but th- there are some w- really weird things in there that can make it look layered. I, I, and I, I bring it back to a music group that I think at this point people know about, but Boards of Canada is notorious for doing that with their music, hiding all sorts of stuff so that you interpret it in a billion different ways that they probably had no intention. Um, and the music is good, but it, just like this, the actual film is pretty decent. I just all all they did was bury so many hooks into it that it was impossible for people not to read into it. Sure, and I didn't find that particularly special or impressive. In, in fact, the only uh, the things that I love about obviously Smarf is a play on like an Alf character. Yes, uh, you know he's like a weird puppet character, and the name comes from Snarf from Thundercats. By the way, Smarf is Smarf is such a great looking character that I I cannot picture him not being used elsewhere. I uh, believe he has been, actually. or will be in the future. Yeah, he, just like it's, and the fact that he's sort of like the savior of the day, or was he of the whole sort of, sort of video? But no, I I just think it was very enjoyable, and it's, it's just a mind fuck. But here's the thing though: is that that was meant to be seen at like four a.m. in the morning randomly. Mm. So just imagine. Obviously, we we with the hindsight. Imagine if you were on, watching TV at four a.m. and you actually sat through that thing. What the hell was your thought? Obviously, there's weird stuff on Adult Swim, but this is just like bizarre in terms of where no, it goes. It comes back to. I will give you that. If if I if I had seen it in its intended place, yeah. in in my on the TV in my intended state, half which, asleep or or on, or, or just screwed up, you know. Yeah. I mean, then I definitely would have a different opinion of it. I'd be like. Pretty clever of them to drop something that mind fucky at four in the morning when they know that 
Either I'm suffering from insomnia or I'm on drugs. But I don't know. I guess just after days and days of people talking about it and then, you know, watching it at work while sick, I mm-hmm. I just... And the plus, co- the plus, conversation we're having about it is more enjoyable well, than, than actually watching well, it. Well, plus you watched it way late. I watched it in the first day when I think it only had like... Ten thousand yeah, views, and I was no like, one spoiled anything for me. I, no, went into I, it I know clean. what you're saying though, but you you went into it where wow, this has been viral for like, a, and it's still it's still viral now. A week over a week later, which is sure. ridiculous for anything going by. It's still it's still trending on Twitter like almost every day, right. which is insane. Uh, but I watched it. I forgot how I found it the first day, but when I, yeah, I watched it. There was like I was like, what is this? There's like less than ten thousand views. This must be what is it? And then I watched it, I'm like, oh, well, this is really freaky and creeped out. But I liked it. I love I love the. The um, my favorite part is actually probably the, the whole space like Battlestar Galactica part. Yeah, I, it's hysterical, I, I that. And, and the theme song sounds like Charlie Angels if you listen mm-hmm. closely. No, but I think I think it's cool. I'm not a big fan of the of the the huge gory over the top stuff. I think that's like a crutch for comedy when you just go ultra gold. I don't like when South Park does it a lot. Sometimes where it's like, oh wow, how many times do you see someone getting disemboweled and, and it's funny. It's like I don't like a lot of repeat humor. And the guy even said like when the Falcon at the start of the Dynasty slash Dallas thing, the Falcon it comes back to the turn, it does it like seven times. He said that was actually an error in the editing room at first, and they liked it and kept it. I hate humor no, that see, repeats I, I, like that. I don't. And that to me actually shit like that throws off the whole tone because up to that point up to that up to a certain point these could conceivably be like if you looked at the first minute or so that could have been a sitcom opening almost verbatim it's stuff like you that know. that actually turned me on it and it's 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 part of what they used to do a lot in uh, adult swim humor but it's also part of the need to fill 11 minutes and 11 seconds. Sure. And when you run out of ideas, what do you do? They did it in Aqua Teen. They did it in C-Lab. They do it in all they sorts of things. They just, they just fucking repeat because they need an extra 30 seconds. Well, I'm saying there. that's what that's what uh, kills a little bit because yes. the, the humor... That was a big thing that killed The humor me. up to that point was so, on, uh, so, so just on point for... Um, okay, this is a cool opening. This this could have been an opening. It's done so well. There's no there's no wink or nod to the camera. It's just that's an opening. That's an opening. Even the even the like Hill Street Blues a cop drama, a little bit over the top, throwing the nightstick and then having the criminal smile. But that's when it starts to morph anyway. But then when you get to the Dallas part, now it's totally morphed and now it's totally now we know something's up. Right. Now we don't. Now this isn't just repeating the same one minute joke four times now it's going in a different direction obviously the G.I. Joe opening which was awesome the G.I. Joe bar it took the exact same uh, you know those were like lifted directly from the cartoon opening in terms mm-hmm. of the punch and the uppercut and everything else but no I just check it out I, I, everyone's saying Smarf is great Smarf is fantastic I wish I hope they have that, that puppet somewhere I mean, I would say check it out, I guess. Check it, check Just so you can be part of the dialogue. But, yeah. I mean, like I said, you'll enjoy the dialogue more than you... I, I, I enjoyed the dialogue well, more than I enjoyed the video. The fact that we're talking about it, we never talk about viral videos. The fact that we we're are... We're only talking these... about it because you made me. <laughs> I'm not talking about Gangnam Style. <laughs> All right, so... The, uh... Back to video games. The new... <laughs> I hate your segues. You have to do a segue training I don't, with you. I don't care. The new Assassin's Creed came out. Unity. This week. Which uh, we, talked Unity. About, we talked about before about the lack of the female the uh, skins or whatever. Yeah. Well, apparently maybe the team really wasn't up to the fucking task. <laughs> maybe they were telling the truth. Maybe they were telling the truth. <laughs> maybe, maybe they didn't mean everyone has trouble animating female character models. Maybe they just meant guys were in deep shit and we can't do We really it right don't now. have the time to do this. Um, so Unity comes out and it's a bug-filled mess. 
um, people walk around like crabs. They have improper <laughs> skeletons. They get stuck in fireplaces. Uh, pieces of their face disappear mid-kiss. And, like, that's not part of the plot. It's not meant to scare you. It's just this is what it's happens. It's just bad. It's, um, so it's, it's basically incomplete. <laughs> and this is all funny, except for that Ubisoft uh, put an embargo on the reviews um, until noon... Uh, PST, uh, the day of release. Day of so, release? Day of release. So that's 3 p.m. Um, uh, Eastern time. After I, I think that's right. Tons of people have probably bought it. Right, already. because it got a midnight release. And I am one... I've always said that if, 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 if your review... If you put an embargo on your review past release day, anytime past midnight release day, um, you are broadcasting to the world that there is something wrong with your game. Uh, I mean, there's no way to read that any other way. Now, they insisted... So a review embargo, just to talk about quickly, is when, when, when they send out copies, review copies of these games, they you're not bound by law, but they suggest very sternly that you cannot publish your review of this game until this time on this day. And... It's usually to keep any... In some cases, it's used to keep any one site from getting a uh, a traffic bump by rushing through the game and getting the first review out. That's fair. Um, but when it's done like this, which it was done with Destiny and uh, I believe another game this year too, um, it usually sends up red flags that they want to sell as many launch day copies as they can before people um, before people read the reviews. Ubisoft swears that the reason for their embargo on this is that they uh, there's a heavy online component, and uh, they wanted to make sure that reviewers could experience that online component before they published the reviews. But the thing is, if you're only making the embargo for 17 hours after it's released, they're not experiencing the full online component anyway. And a game like Assassin's Creed is still, at its core, a single-player game. So that's bullshit from Ubisoft. They knew they were shipping a product that was fucked and half-finished. Um, I mean, your main character falls to the floor. Randomly. Well, They tried to say that it was the hardware's fault. It's like bullshit. The most buggy version, like, as in like uh, the PS4 and the Xbox One, the most buggy version of the game is the PC version. Yeah. I mean, so... These... Kotaku went out there and said, and I do actually applaud them for this, that they're not going to abide by any of these embargoes anymore, even if it means that they don't get games for free or early, because they don't usually publish their reviews on the day of release anyway. They usually publish them a few days after so they can play through more of it. And I'm all for that. You know, screw the embargo. If you have early access to a copy and it's bad, tell people. Well, here, here's the thing, though. How is Ubisoft going to suffer from this, if anything? I mean, people, tons of people bought this anyway. I'm looking right now. There's already a, a forum post where they, they have a list of some of the bugs and which ones they're working on, which ones they're already fixed on all of the platforms, PC, PS4, Xbox One. Um, I, I, I don't know if this is all of them, but it, there's a bunch of red in red working on it. Workarounds are posted. In green, it's fixed. Arnold gets stuck in a hay cart next to Pantheon in the district. They fix that. Arnold can fall through the ground when free running on various props and dropping. They fix that in the PS4. Game crash when, when joining the co-op. They fix that. Well, I can tell you how it's going to change things. It, people aren't going to pre-order. And they rely on pre-orders to show investors that they're going to make money. So, okay. From Ubisoft's standpoint, obviously you have a release date in mind. 
But even when you are, say, three months out and you're still playtesting, you're getting the bugs out, can't you at least make the call? What is the difference to them to wait a week or two to release it later? What would it hurt them for the goodwill of the fans to say, you know what, we need at least a week to, to fix this still? Because obviously they made these fixes in a pretty... Some of these fixes are already done in like a few days. Right. So if they took a week or two, you wouldn't have pissed off half these people. You, you, you would have gotten bad reviews. So what what is Ubisoft thinking and not saying, hey, let's delay this? They delay movies all the time for reshoots uh, because the effects aren't done. They push release dates back. It's very rare you see a big movie, and this is a huge AAA game. It's very rare you see a blockbuster movie get put on the screen and it's incomplete. doesn't happen. So why don't they treat it the same way? Let's take the extra two weeks and work this out. I think it's this. One, especially in specifically Ubisoft's case, they have been running behind on pretty much all their games. Um, I mean, Watch Dogs came out a year after the projected release date. Two, um, it wouldn't be two weeks for Ubisoft because they have the entire world playtesting the game and yelling down their throats about bugs. That's way bigger than a, 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 a typical QA team. So you're saying the QA team, if they had two more, three more weeks, they wouldn't have found these bugs. No, they they, oh, or they didn't find these at all. They would have found some of them, but I still think no. I'm, some I'm, of these I'm, are basic. Yeah, like, I know. I know they're just joining for co-op. Well, you know that means Q, their QA team sucks as well. But I'm just saying, in general, you have to understand two to three weeks of a QA team testing is different than two to three weeks of the entire world testing. Ubisoft to do that right would have probably had to put the game off another three months, well, and they probably should have because this is going to hurt them no matter what. Their stock's been hurt. Yep, their stock is hurt, and I mean, everyone. I mean, no one is 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 pleased about this. Their stocks dropped um, from the eleventh. It was at almost fifteen dollars. It's dropped down to thirteen fifty. I have people who have pre-ordered uh, Far Cry Four. Who are very concerned about whether or not Far Cry 4 is actually going to come out and be playable. Jesus Christ. We didn't have to worry about this at least uh, back in the day of cartridges and <laughs> even PS1 discs. You yeah. know, like this is just well, and horrific. It's, it, it's the it's the whole release now, patch later mentality that they've allowed themselves to get into. There's no accountability. No. Back in the day when a, a cartridge was released or even a, a game on the PlayStation 1 Dreamcast or fuck, PS2 um, was released. Even... Even most of the games on the PS3 or Xbox 360, it wasn't until later when everyone had, you know, it was assumed to have an internet connection. The games were tested way more rigorously for bugs because if the game was released yeah. with bugs, you well, co- you can't fix it. It was very rare. It did happen. It was very rare, though, they came out with a disc game that was fucked. Um, wasn't, wasn't one of the Tomb Raiders really buggy when it came out, I believe, on PS2? I think, I think a couple of them were, but anyways. But, yeah, but they had to basically, I think they had to do returns for some of them, and so that was that's a loss of a lot of money. You know, but now they don't have to worry about that because they can just update it and patch it. Yep, you can't return it as broken because it's functioning as everyone else's copy is, yeah. and you have to wait for the patch. But it is, like I said, no one's canceled their, um, comes out next week, no one's canceled their Far Cry 4 order, but uh, people are concerned about it. I mean, I've got customers talking to me. They're like, I don't know if I want to pre-order any games from Ubisoft anymore. And that's this- a, that doesn't really hurt a place like us because we will always order in multiple copies of really big name games that we're going to sell. But it'll hurt the company. Yeah, and we don't. And if something like, say, Assassin's Creed, we didn't pre-order any copies because no one pre-ordered it, so we didn't get it, and no one's called asking for it. Wonder why. It's going to become less and less of a detriment to us to not pre-order a game, and it's going to become more and more of a detriment to the company. Yeah, this is a publicly traded company. Yeah. 
You know, this isn't, you know what I mean? Like I said, the stock's gone down. I mean, the, the stock's gone down about 10%. That's the, a big drop in a few days. The BBC did an article on it. The BBC never talks about video games, and the BBC was talking about what a fucking train wreck this game was. Yeah. And it hurts your scores for your reviews, obviously, your Metacritic, if you follow that. Well, no, stuff, see, that's so. the problem. When you look at the reviews, they're fine. Well, in spite of a few bugs, we would still play this game. Really? They've been getting a pass by the major... Well, they've been getting like 7 and 8s out of 10s, which is anywhere... I mean, tra- you know, you know, converted over to normal people's scores, that's like, like a, a, a 1 to a 2, but no, still... But it's all I the mean, sites where they're running probably the Assassin's Creed banner ads on the left and right. They're patting Ubisoft on the ass. That's good. That's Try good. again, guys. What, 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 what great journalism. What great integrity. Um. So, yeah, I guess like I said before, they weren't lying about doing... No, they obviously can't. We talked about that one like eight months ago, nine uh, months ago. I saw a picture of a uh, of a woman, and she was like crab walking, but like her stomach was caved in, and it, dude, it was just fucking ridiculous. It's like the, it's like the new Resident Evil game. This is fantastic. So so basically, uh, be on the lookout for I guess Ubisoft titles in the future. Obviously, they, they, tons of bad will they built up now. Uh, hopefully, gamers don't forget it, and you vote with your wallet. That's what it comes down to. Yeah, that's what it comes down to. So. This is going to make Frank really sad. Frank loves the Fantastic Four. It's the first family of superheroes. Um, the Fantastic Four films that came out, um, and they were 2005, 2007, with Jessica Alba and with uh, Chris uh, Evans, who's now Captain America. Um, they weren't good films. The first film in particular, and I saw both these in the, in the theater, um, had it was so low-budgeted. That half the the whole middle of the third of the movie, they're stuck inside the, the, the you know the Fantastic Four tower, just hanging out, goofing off. They don't like get a chance to even use their powers really until the end of the movie. So it was not good. Uh, Rise of the Silver Surfer was fared better in two thousand seven. Actually had Silver Surfer. He actually looked pretty cool. Um, they actually used their powers more. But then there, Galactus was a cloud at the end. You didn't really see Galactus. There was no big fight against Galactus at the end. It was just sort of Silver Surfer flying into the cloud. And that's where Fox sort of ended that in 2007. And then people were like, all right, it's going to come back to Marvel because Fox has no idea what they're doing. They're not putting the money into it. This is right after doing the abysmal X-Men 3 yeah. and yeah. having no budget with that. And you need a budget to do a Fantastic Four movie. It's, it's, they're a cosmic space-fighting team. Yeah, it's all right. special effects. Yeah, it's all special effects. Even though Thor is in a suit. That's still an expensive suit. And I, and I, and a Thor. Uh, the thing. Thing's in a, in a huge suit. Yeah. So either, either you get a huge suit it costs a lot of money, or you do CG, which costs a lot of money. Human Torch is a lot of money. You know, uh, Invisible Woman, that's not cheap. And then you got a guy that stretches. Right. You know. The one thing about those movies, though, even though um, Doctor Doom in the movie, the, the, the backstory, like, he, he was, like, also a scientist on the team, and they knew everyone. Even that was stupid. The Doom costume still was pretty good. The Doom costume looked like Doom. So that was cool. So... For some reason, Fox wants to have a go at Fantastic Four. They're lucky enough putting out the last few good X-Men movies and getting back on track there. But they want to do another Fantastic Four movie. And so, at the start, people were concerned about it. Um, it was the director uh, of, of the, the guy that did, um, what was it, the, the movie where like they get special powers. And it, like, it was like found fo- a found footage film. And um, <laughs> like I'm crazy. It was like a found footage film with the teenagers and the, the three of them. They start doing crimes, and you know it's like all telekinesis stuff. And so that's the director doing this. And I probably should know my shit about the director. Yeah, but but I'm... here's the weird thing though about this: no one knows anything about this movie. There was no Comic Con footage, no teasers have mm-hmm. been shown, no costume reveals, and this comes out next summer. 
Yeah. We're only seven months away, well, and it's supposed to come out. And now we know why no one saw and anything. Now we know why they're <laughs> hiding it from us. Um, yes. So here's the problem with this movie. The first problem was um, that they're all cast. They're all like early 20s. Yeah, they're all super young. They're really young. And Reed Richards is an older guy. He's got the gray hair he's, going on. He's, he's been a skunk stripe for, I mean, yeah. After, yeah. I mean, he's not 60, but he's probably gotten at least in his late 30s, early 40s. Yeah. And then, so the only, and then, uh, and then, um, the thing, uh, Ben Grimm, he's an older guy. He's friends a long time. So he's a guy a little bit older. Right. He's always a guy probably when Kirby drew him was early 40s, late 30s, at least, not a 20 something. Right. The only young one is the human torch. He's the young, kid yeah he's the that's part of personality so so then we're not starting great some people will be upset about this to me this this is why i'm upset about this part because it's an unnecessary thing to explain they cast a black actor as human torch that doesn't see that sort of thing doesn't bother me at all because it doesn't need to well but here's here's why because it wouldn't bother me if he was not related to the sister on the team so now you have to go out of your way to explain why is one black and why is one white adoption it, Exactly. Do we have to go into that? So supposedly, no, they, you don't. You just say adoption. I mean, that's but, that's simple. That's my least concern. But, but this is this. But this is where it starts to get weird, though, because now, now, like I, I read today, they cast the father of them in the movie. When in the world did you ever hear about or give a shit about the parents of the Fantastic Four? Never. That's not a part of their origin. That's not a part of any of their stories. So now we're going into weird territory, which is why I was saying now you got to explain that, and now that's a part of the movie about now you might explain the adoption in the movie. Okay, now it gets better, because now they're talking about, okay, Doctor Doom is going to be the main villain in Fantastic Four. I can see your eyes. Yay! Except... Except he's not going to be Victor Von Doom anymore. No! He's not going to be Victor Von Doom. What's he going to be? And the guy who looks like he's 24, who's explaining his role as Doctor Doom... What's Doom going to be? He looks like he is going to be... An antisocial programmer <gasps> on blogging sites, and his code name is Doom. Doom. This is fucking miserable. <laughs> so, so again, those other things were just indi- indications that this could be going in a weird direction. Now you know it's going in a weird direction. Now you're going in a direction that I'm not a huge Fantastic Four fan. There is no way I'm ever going to see this movie. No, that's my thing. Ever, too. I'm not a huge Fantastic Four fan. I I, I enjoy them for their place in comic history, um, but I don't really like reading any of their comics. I, there are two things that kind of involve the Fantastic Four that I like. One actually does. It's a story arc called Big in Japan. That's a good one. And then uh, they kind of play into uh, Planetary, although they're never mentioned by name. Um, but I would go see... I mean, if I felt like for one sec, But I like Doom. I love Doctor Doom. Love the shit out of Doctor Doom. He's, he's, he's the best Marvel villain. Oh, he is. If, if I thought for a second they were going to do Doctor Doom justice, I would probably go see a Fantastic Four film. But this is ridiculous. This is them... Real, I mean, it's just stupid. They, 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 he's, he's Victor Domashev. They changed his name from Doom to Domashev as well. Yeah. So, I don't know. If, I mean... This is... The, the X-Men movies, they were getting right. They were, like, starting to go, even though it's own universe, they're starting to go in a good direction with them. I, uh, so I feel like... I feel like uh, so this is them going back to how they were before, saying, fuck the comics. We're going to do our own thing. We're going to give a director his own vision, which is always good when the director wants his own vision of a, of a comic book that's been around since 1960-fucking-one. Yeah. 
this kicked off the Marvel Silver Age with yes. Fantastic Four number one. I know. Even though you may not like the comic that much, this no. is a very big superhero. That's team. what I'm saying. I, I appreciate them for you what have, they represent. You have you have uh, X Men in popularity, Avengers, and Fantastic Four. They're third. That's basically I talk about over the last fifty six years. They're in the top three. So you are shitting on them and their fan base. And I'm not saying I'm not saying even before this was going to come out that this would have done like Iron Man numbers. But you're already starting at a lower base because it's Fox doing, not Marvel. Because obviously Marvel would do it and pay some respect to this. Right. But now, though, <laughs> this is going to come out and bomb. So now you just have to hope that no one sees this so the, the rights either get sold back to Marvel or else you're not going to see a proper Fantastic Four movie until, like, 2023 or something, which is a shame. Yeah. It's just a shame because this is their third attempt, and the other two movies are going to be better than this one. Well, and, and this is to touch on something you said earlier. You can fuck the comics to a high degree and still make a movie that people want to see. Um, Spider-Man had done it. Um, the X-Men movies, to a large degree, fuck the comic book over, but they're still, they still stay true to them just enough. The spirit's there. The spirit's there, that you can, you can read it as an arc by, a, you can watch it as an arc by a guest author, basically, is what I'm trying to say. This is just so completely different. This sounds like, uh, I, I don't even really like the guy that much, but did you ever hear Kevin Smith talk about what, um, uh... The Tim Superman, Burton, the Superman what Liz Tim Burton wanted to do with with, with Superman, kind of, yeah, I yeah, yeah. That. I mean, this is what this sounds like. This, it's, this it's are, these are directors, hotshot young director, um, who did that other movie where they get the alien powers, and I think it's the same, uh, the same black actor, uh, Michael B. Jordan, who's playing Johnny Storm, um, is playing it here. Um, this is an arrogance and a total disdain towards the fan. You may you may get pissed off at Zack Snyder. This is ten times worse than anything Zack Snyder's ever done on film, because now you are totally distorting this into your own. This is don't even call it Fantastic Four. This is Frank would say, don't call it Fantastic Four. It's even it's even reported that this is going to be gritty. This is the Fantastic difference. Four is anything but gritty. Fantastic Four is supposed to be Sweet more lively thing. and more just like. How do you do? Like, it's, obviously, there's some elements that are wow, this is fucked up shit. But it's not supposed to be gritty. It's supposed to be lively and fun, you know. So this is totally going off. I'm hoping this this guy Toby Kebble is playing Doctor Doom again. Let's say he's 24. I hope he's fucking with everyone. I really do. Or else this is their way of saying we better get the, get the news out now because once people really find out, once they see the first teaser, people are going to lose their fucking shit over this. Um, going back to your Zack Snyder comment, the difference is, and the reason why I hate someone like Zack Snyder is. People will pay money to go see the Zack Snyder movie. I, there's no fear of anyone losing their money over this Fantastic Four movie. No one's going to fucking go see it. No one. No. This, I feel bad for guys like Frank, who love Fantastic Four, will never see it done with justice on, on screen. It, like, like uh, you see a Guardians of the Galaxy movie. That could be, that tone and spirit, that level, that should be a Fantastic Four. If Marvel had it, that would be a Fantastic Four sort, sort of feel of a movie. Like, they can do it. And, and I think Marvel's saying, fuck it. They're, they're not even doing the Fantastic Four comic at this point. Partially because of this, they're they're pissed. Yeah. And they should be. This ruins their property. Yeah. This affects Marvel. Yes, it does. You know, what I, mean? I, w- I wish there was a clause in these contracts going back to the late nineties, early two thousands. When I wish there's a clause where it's overall time period, but I don't know if there are. I think it's just in continuity, uh, or, or, or it, it just not in continuity. Uh, I can't think of the word right now. I'm I'm angry, but like. Um, uh, I wish there was a clause where, if they, as long as they keep making these movies, they can they can keep doing it. I hope it cuts off at some point because obviously this is a catastrophe. If you're if you're if you're a Fantastic Four fan, I feel really I, honestly I feel really bad for you that this is what you're stuck with. I I, I don't know what else to say about it. I mean, Victor Von Doom, uh, Doom is partially the basis for how freaking Darth Vader looks. 
Yeah. You know, an axe. You know, and now he's a he's a he's a he's a hacker. He's a he's a blogger. You know, it's like what? So then, how is that? How is that fantastic? How is that fantastical? You know, yeah, like, well, are they gonna also going to find their their powers in like a dirt field on the ground? And they're not going to go to space now anymore. How are they going to go to space? They're all twenty three years old. Are they not going <laughs> to have powers? Is, <laughs> is one good with a zippo? One's good at hiding. <laughs> one's a contortionist, it's, it's, and one's really strong. It's going to be like Fantastic Four meets Watchmen. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they're, right. they're all based in reality really. somehow. Holy shit! So uh, this is what Toby Keppel said. Uh, I'm excited to see it too, but my nerves really. The only thing I can tease you about is what I worked on the most with the voice, because nobody, even in the cartoons, when I was watching them, I was like, "So where's he from?" There's a there's a mild change, and I'll tell you because of our history. I guess he's talking to the reporter, he right. can trust him. He's Victor Donashev, not Victor Von Doom in our story, and I'll, I'm sure I'll be sent to jail for telling you that the Doom in ours. I'm a programmer, very anti Yeah, that's programmer. not a mild. change. And on blogging sites, I'm Doom. <laughs> God, it's <laughs> gonna be so bad. <laughs> Holy shit! Because this is the, again, this is the movie everyone's forgetting about. You have, you have Avengers coming out in May. You know, you got Ant Man coming out next year. You're probably gonna have other superhero movies come out or, or from graphic novels. And this is the forgotten superhero movie for a reason. Yes, <laughs> because this is going to tank, and I hope it tanks hard. And I hope, I hope they come crawling back to Marvel Studios saying, please. Here, just, 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 we'll, we'll trade it for a bag of baseballs as I do with the bad player. <laughs> we'll just give you the rights back uh, to this because we have no idea what we're doing. That would be nice. All right. You know who does know what they're doing? <laughs> who knows what they're doing? <laughs> Nintendo knows what they're doing. Woo woo! That's a transition for you. Um, so the news is uh, currently that the uh, pre-orders for. Um, something like uh, for smash brothers is are, are way ahead of uh, mario kart 8 and uh this is in stark contrast to what the pre-orders have been for most triple a games throughout the year where the pre-orders have been incredibly down and the reason why is uh you know people have a lot of faith in nintendo i think and it wasn't in my mind before this but Maybe part of the reason for releasing the 3DS version and releasing it early was to show people, hey, we've got a grip on this again. This is not going to be Brawl again. We've got a pretty decent game on our hands, and we want to get you excited about it. Give them a taste. It. Yeah, exactly. Um, what's good for Nintendo about this is, uh, ever since the release of Mario Kart 8, they have basically they are doubling their Wii sales now. And if... Over, over, over the year. Year on year, yeah. yeah. Um, and if... The um, Smash Brothers Wii U is outpacing Mario Kart 8 in terms of pre-orders. One can only assume that the hardware is going to sell with it for no, some of them. For yes. some of them, not to a huge, not not, not necessarily one to one, but because a lot of those people already bought the system it's when they bought get, Mario Kart, it's going to bump it. But it's going to keep pushing it up, and I think you're going to see the Wii U, especially after Christmas leave floundering territory and firmly at least enter the territory that it was in with the GameCube, which is successful, not stellar, but it's doing its job. Yeah, I've, we've said this, at least I've said this the past year and a half. I said, don't count the Wii U out until Mario Kart comes out and Smash Brothers. Then see where it's at. That's because true. up to this point, it's going to be two years it's going to be out this Christmas, yep. and then or around, around now. So now, where is it at? If these games fail, then yes, it's a failure. But, but if but, these games sell it, then it's we're back in we're back in business. But Mario Kart Eight was anything but a failure. And, That's what I'm saying. I'm yeah, saying oh, wait, yeah, yeah, exactly. Wait to see how. Yeah. And we're not even counting the next Zelda game. We're not yeah, counting the next Zelda. We're not counting uh, 
Splatoon and some of the other stuff that people got yeah. hyped about during E3. And um, I don't know. I mean, I got to tell you, and it, this doesn't really affect anything globally, but after a week of using my PS4 and kind of having my honeymoon period with it and enjoying it, I, uh, I I went back to the Wii U last night to get the new tracks, you know, and to play some new stuff. And the Wii U is just such a, a friendly pretty vibrant video game console like it it begs to be played it's it's it, it's fun it's video games there's nothing serious about it and i'm not saying that you can't take games seriously as a hobby but it is refreshing to have something like the wii u available and i hope more people realize that and i hope more people buy into it with smash and realize that hey there's a place in my my gaming for something like the wii u so this year, Nintendo, up to this point, Nintendo has sold 2 million Wii U units in 2014, compared to Sony, which has sold 8.1 million PS4s. Microsoft only has sold 3.3 million Xbox Ones in comparison. So you're going to, you're going to get to the point where there's a chance that the Wii U is going to get close to selling the same amount as Xbox Ones. Yeah. And no one would have imagined that. And, and this is two years into Wii U versus only one year into the Xbox One, yeah. where you're, you're going to have almost matching numbers. Yep. Really bad for Microsoft. Not great for Nintendo, but really bad for Microsoft, which well, that's a whole other topic. It is a whole uh, other topic, but, but well, I mean... Uh, but it's great to see Nintendo get their foothold, as we thought, at least I thought they would at least get to that point. All this month, Microsoft has dropped the price of, I think, the base console $50. Which like, has sold more. They're I think really, really trying to close that gap. But, but it's, it's, they're going to catch up at this point. No, I mean... I mean a lot of my info is regional and comes from behind the counter, but we've seen probably three times as many used Xbox Ones come through the store as PS4s. And how many used Wii U's have I seen in the past year? Two. Now, you can argue it's because they weren't selling well, but you can also argue that the people who have them aren't, Are give, aren't, aren't giving them up as quickly. Sure. Because they still see what's coming down the pike. Right, because they have a handful of decent games now, and they know they're going to get decent games in the future. And we're not even counting about what's going to make a lot of money. The Amiibos are going to make tons of money for Nintendo. Because mm-hmm. for Smash Brothers, you'll be able to buy and use them. Yep. Think so, what you want about them, but Nintendo's going to... Yeah, all those anti-Nintendo people. Um, uh, Nintendo's just adding more and more money to their bank accounts. They're not going anywhere. No. Uh, someone tried to argue with me because of, of, of on, on a YouTube comment that there's a website that analyzes the risk of companies going out of business, and they gave like Nintendo like a 75% chance of going bankrupt over the next like two or three years. I said, that is insane. That is not just defying logic or any idea of what bankruptcy actually means. But you're, you are insane to believe that off of any website. Yeah, find a better website. That's just bullshit data. That's insane. Where are you getting that data from? They've already they've already mentioned that they have enough money in their banks to basically operate for ten years on no profit or something ridiculous like that or five years no profit. I mean, but, but that's what's still losing the same amount of money. Yeah, you know, they're doing right. that. I mean, it's just it's not going to happen. And yes, I do believe me. I'm a I'm a Nintendo fan, but I haven't been a Nintendo console fan since probably the NES until the Wii U. I haven't gotten behind one entirely. I like the GameCube, but um, Nintendo. They don't always do the things that I think are smart, but they find a way to make the money and come back in the end. And their handhelds are always going to be something yeah. that float them. People people always remember, if Nintendo really wanted to, they could just go to handhelds yeah. and dominate the earth shut down, you know, and make tons of money off of just handhelds. If they shut down the console division, they would lose all the costs associated with it, and they would still sell the same number yeah. of 3DSs. Because the 3DSs make money. The, the Wii U's don't really turn a profit, but the, those handhelds sure as hell do. Yeah. You know, and then everything's cheaper. The cost of the, the games, the cost of the hardware, mm-hmm. you know, and, and all the downloads, and yeah, they're 
don't worry, don't worry. We won't, we we, don't, we know for some weird reason you want a video game company to fail, which is insane to think about. But they're not going to. I don't really want any video game company to fail. Well, even... well, to me, uh, Sony's not a video game company. Well, neither no, is Microsoft. Microsoft's not. But I mean, Sony's been in it for a while. They've been in it a while. I, I yeah. want more options. I want the I want the op, I want the options available to me. I don't want yeah. anyone to. I don't want to see any of the good franchises associated with the consoles necessarily to sure. ever go out. Sure. So we'll see. We'll see after the holiday season. It'll be really interesting to see what Nintendo offers, if, you know, in terms of a Smash Brothers bundle. And I guess we'll come back in January and see how many more a mil- they do a million more that be, or something. That'd be I cool. hate to even talk about, it, but Black Friday I saw. I think it was Best Buy was doing a. Wii U bundle. The Wii U itself comes with Super Mario 3D World. Okay. And then it comes with Donkey Kong's Tropical Freeze, which is a way underrated game. That's like a forty dollar game, right? And it also comes with Smash Brothers U. So you're getting for three fifty, or three sixty. So that's insane. So the base price is usually three hundred, right? Yeah. So you're and, basically and get, you're getting three really good games for sixty bucks. You're basically getting uh, you're getting like what fifty dollars more free or hundred dollars more free, yeah. something like that. I mean, but all three of those games are worthwhile. Like I said, Donkey Kong's Tropical Freeze is underrated. Super Mario Three D World is fantastic. In Smash Wii U, I mean, we all basically know what to expect at this point. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I guess again, we'll see what happens. Nintendo is going to give it their. I mean, the Wii U is going to be around for at least another three years easily. Yep. It'd be five or six. Nintendo consoles usually have, you know six seven years. Um, so yeah, don't worry about it. They're, they'll even though even though even though uh, Ubisoft and EA stabbed Nintendo in the back and not are not publishing any third parties. It's not really so, hurting them any. <laughs> it's not not that much as I thought it would. Yeah. Not having not having GTA Five on the Wii U. Hasn't hurt them as much as I thought it would. It's obviously not good, but no. it's, but you're still you're still catering to those. Well, I'm going to have either Wii U and a PC or Wii U and a PS4. You want a broader you want a broader software library wherever you can get it. But the fact that Wii U Nintendo is not dealing with any fallout from a super buggy version of of Assassin's Creed Unity sure. is not hurting them any. No, it's not hurting them, but not having they can say, hey, but I recently released Mario Kart DLC is fucking fantastic, and it is. I mean, and they, so and, and they have control of that, obviously. Yeah. There's something to be said for that. You have a direct control of, over the biggest right. games the, on your, the on biggest, your The biggest flaw that people associate with Nintendo systems is that they have no third-party support is also their biggest asset. Most of their best games are first-party, and they are meticulously combed over yes. for problems. Yeah. And they're almost always... It's hard to think of a game that was received poorly that was... No one wants to game. call them AAA because they don't have the budget that the other games do, but, but they tr- are. AAA they're for, AAA. They're Nintendo AAA. Yeah. You know. All right. Q and A, Q and A time You're... on the on the Friday no date edition of the CU podcast. That's so harsh. So this is from at Mason McShred. Uh, I'm looking to expand my Master System collection. What are some good hidden gems? Now, being that there's only 114 games in the U.S., a lot of them are hidden because it wasn't really a well-known <laughs> console or, or bought by that many people. I think the market share of the Master System was. Probably less than like three yeah. percent, you know, when it was out. So my favorite game for the system that I don't think anyone really pays attention to is Penguin Land, which is this weird game where you start from the top of a vertical level and you have to go down to the bottom, and you have an egg and you have to protect it, and you peck through layers of brick and you have to push it down only certain numbers of, of steps so that it doesn't crack, and you have to protect it from enemies. It's incredibly cute. It's actually very difficult, and there's a lot of pre-planning and strategy involved, um, and it's not expensive, so I would say go find Penguin Land. Uh, let me go through my list, because I, I I've not played a huge amount of Master System games here. 
But I will say this. Um, games like, I, I mean, you can't get wrong with a game like Fantasy Star. You really can't. That's not a hidden gem. Oh, okay. The what is a hidden gem? Like Psycho Fox? I mean, what, what are we looking at? Zillion 2. Uh, a, lot Zillion of pe- 2? a lot of people don't like Zillion 2 because it ditches the Metroid-style format of the first one, but it's still a really good action game. Um, I really like... The mess system port of Moonwalker is actually fairly good. Would you call that a hidden gem because it's on the Genesis? It's a hidden gem because no one knows that but version. They, yeah, but you'd rather play it on the Genesis, though. Uh, you'd rather play Sonic on... Even though Sonic's not bad in the Master System, you'd rather play it on the Genesis. Not necessarily. It's a completely different game. Mm. It's more of a platformer. There's no loops. There's no speed. Well, then I like it a lot better already. There you go. How and about... You how about I, I See, I, I consider a fantasy zone... Pretty much a hidden gem. I don't. That's like a big name for the system. That was an yeah, arcade but game. That, but, All of their but, arcade ports. That's my point, though. A big name on the Master okay. isn't a big name. Okay. You know so, what I mean? Fantasy Zone The Maze is pretty fun, and that's definitely kind of hidden. That's like a Fantasy Zone back Pac-Man clone. But really, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with Zillion 2 and uh, Penguin Land, since Pat can't seem to find anything that's hidden. But, yeah, Master confuses me, because it's like no one had it. So to me, a lot of these are, are gems to me. You know, like, um, their, their version of Double Dragon. Check it out. <laughs> you know, no one's played it. It's better than the NES one to me. It's two-player. Exactly. How about how about uh, the Wonder Boy games? Those aren't hidden. So, so I think that no, one, no one's played Wonder <laughs> you're, you're, Boy, you're the Dragon's Trap. The most, you're picking all of the most popular Sega Masters. Because you know why? I never played Walter Payton football <laughs> to know if it's good or not. Fine. Next question. <laughs> Chris Sopsich. I love you, Chris. You sent me a very cool t-shirt. And, and Pat, too. Thank you. Uh, uh, walk us like through your pre-marathon, post-marathon rituals. Anything oh, you religiously do each year. Uh, I'll give you a pre and a post. Uh, the pre is Pat and I will argue the morning of. And the post is that I will drink a beer in the shower after every <laughs> marathon and take a photo of it. I will uh, partially panic before the marathon because yes. usually there's something that has to be done that hasn't been done still. Yes, he will. And I to do the setup here in the morning and it's painful. There's so many wires, it's like I'm doing NASA over here. I will take a shower about 20 minutes before the marathon <laughs> to freshen up. Start the marathon with wet hair. I think a during marathon ritual for you would be the nap, which is the first time I've brought it up this no, year. I've only done, it, only done it twice. What are you talking about? You've done the nap every year since the first year. No, I haven't. Oh, oh no. someone, someone, someone will pick no, those no, out no. for the, me. The first two, if you count the 10 seconds in Jackal, I did not nap the first two years at all. That's totally, you know why? The first two years, I was drinking the five-hour energies. I gave them up because they're really bad for you. I stopped doing them. Whatever. I think I started the nap year three. It was not the first two. For, definitely not the first year. I was up all 31 hours. You know why? I was a wreck the entire rest of the week after the first marathon. <laughs> go, go watch. I did an update video. I think I shot the Monday or Tuesday after the first marathon, I looked like I was dead two days. You later. looked like you were dead last year too. I, I, oh yeah, last year I was in bad shape. No, I was really bad shape. The worst shape I was in was could have been arguably the third year. After the third year, I remember hanging out with Frank. Edwards I think and fourth I year. I think, no, 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 I think last no. Year. I was in great shape last year compared to the third year. I've been getting better every year. This this year I was actually pretty damn good afterwards. I was surprised. Fair but uh, anyway, so afterwards, what's going to happen is I'll look at the chat room. I'll usually put the this year I was a little bit later. But I'll put the the commercials back up. I'll sort of uh, con- convalesce and then take a little nap. And then Frank usually is good enough to either buy me Italian food for dinner or this year he actually cooked. Yeah. Which I- is cool. And I was actually with it. I was up to like midnight. I was actually in decent shape. I was like, all right. I Usually there's like that barrier between consciousness and, and, and subconsciousness that like you're in the middle of. I was pretty lucid afterwards. The problem for me is after the marathon, I can't sleep. Um, if the marathon ever ended on time or like an hour early, 
Um, I could probably go home and sleep for a significant amount, but when it pushes even an hour past, I don't care. I mean, it's, 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 it's part of what we come to expect, but two hours. Past I, I, sure, I, yeah. I think it's just the, the, you know, how it works with my body. I, um, I can't sleep. I, I was up until like four in the morning this year, which I don't, I don't understand how it's even possible. That, that's some weird thing. I don't understand how you did that. I'm an insomniac. I've told you. I don't sleep. So, like, when, when, when the window misses me, it misses me hardcore. So why did you let the window miss you? Uh, there was no window. The, the, the window would have been, the window would have been, like, 10. And I'm yeah. not, not going to sleep at 10 in the morning. Oh, no, two I, hours left in the marathon. Oh, I thought you meant we actually no, went home no, at no, 10 No, 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 I, no. I, no, it's, it's really tough for me to find that appropriate time to sleep. That's so weird how you can't just crash. Nope, can't do it. I think what was weird about this year, I was more rested than other years. Um, I had like hyper dreams. Like usually, if I like, a- usually it's like after the marathon. If I crash, you'll have those. You start. Dream- I start dreaming immediately, yeah, which means you're no, in a deep I, sleep. I, I it's get like that. you're done. You dream. Like your body's, your mind's ready to just put you into a deeper sleep. When I, I when I when I dropped on the couch, it was like for the first five minutes I couldn't fall asleep. And then I was getting like turbo fast dreams or, or I knew I was dreaming I couldn't remember it was like it tr- recharged me more than it usually did afterwards I was fine after that. I got it back I was a little slow I was fine for the rest of it I like my hour nap alright next this is from at kex31 um thoughts on the recent announcement regarding CM Punk writing for Thor annual number one it, it always is a weird thing to me when um, especially for comic books that you have either directors like Kevin Smith yes, or, or was, yep. start writing for for comic books that they have no rights to even get anywhere near. For some reason, I guess because they're a known entity, Marvel gets the especially Marvel gets these guys to do celebrity writing jobs. I guess to boost sales, but why? CM Punk is no more qualified to write a Thor comic story than I am. Well, so I don't same, understand what I understand that a guy who's big it gets it gets buzz it gets some it gets some uh, maybe I'll check it out. Then again, in annuals they usually have like five or six different stories. Maybe he's writing a smaller story. Right. You know what I mean? So when I just don't this, get it. When was this inked? Because CM Punk is I mean, no offense, he's nothing right now. He's not with anyone. He's not wrestling. So what what is supposed to be the draw of this? I don't know. I, I know he's a comics fan. He always says how he always reads yes. comics, which is fine. But again, it doesn't give you the right to to, to write for one. And, and Kevin Smith, I've read some of his arcs. And I mean, not only is he a director, he's a writer. But writing for a comic is way different than writing for a movie, writing yeah. an article, writing a book. And most of Kevin Smith's arcs, I mean, they're not flat out horrible. For Daredevil, we're talking about? No, I'm talking about the Batman ones he oh, did. Like the, the mini Bats ones, the mini like six issue ones he did. Um, they're not awful, but they're not great. And the reason why is the pacing is all off. Comic book writers don't get enough credit as actual writers for what they do because they are writing for a very specific medium that needs a very specific pacing. 25 pages about, yeah, right? Yeah, and a very specific way of telling the story. Yes. And that right. is not something that CM Punk has ever been trained to do. It's not something Kevin Smith was ever trained to do, to my knowledge. And it, it, it they always come off as... They always come off as, like, fan fiction. They're very, no, they do. <laughs> they, don't, they, don't, they don't understand the flow. I mean, flow. They, they try to adhere... Do too much? They try to adhere to, like, you know, the canon and stuff like that, but... The the flow is weird and the stories are always just a little off and it, it's very strange. I just I feel bad for CM Punk because obviously he's in a similar retirement. The guy's thirty five. He can still wrestle for five more years. Uh, I know he was banged up, but he appeared on some nerdist stuff with a microphone at like live events and he's out of place. I mean, he, you're, I mean, you're a professional wrestler. You're a good professional wrestler, but that's what you are. Right. 
people, if you if, they, if you want to be a commenter, I think it was on At Midnight, one episode or some other. I think it was on The Talking Dead, uh, one episode. But I like you saying, but that's not people. People don't want to get your opinion on that stuff. Right. They don't care. No. They really don't. And you can try to make a go at it doing something else, but you're always going to be a professional wrestler. That's what you're known for. People want to see you do that at the end of the day. I, don't, I have no interest in reading, good or bad. I really have no, this is not going to make me buy a, a Thor annual. It's just not. Right. It's not going to make me go out and buy it either. Please don't beat me up, Cement Punk. I'm a, I'm a fan. So from at Duran triple zero four, do you think jump scares in video games are too common these days? What? The reason... <laughs> the reason... <laughs> I was actually scared for that. <laughs> the reason I, 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 I put this question in is not so much the question itself. I, I, I do, I don't, I guess. It's it's how horror games are going about what they're doing. Um, for instance, let's just talk about Evil Within again. Not a particularly frightening game. Okay, It's a good game. It's not particularly frightening. Silent Hills, on the other hand, the PT uh, playable, tra- uh, playable trailer demo, is in, it's very frightening for me. Why? Because they psychologically build you up to be frightened of what's going on. It's very weird. They keep changing things on you. You never know what's going on in the corner. And even though one of the biggest scares in that game is a jump scare, when uh, the the most common death occurs when the girl breaks her neck, it's terrifying every single time because you're on you're tense, you're on edge. What I think is overused and what's way too common in video games these days in horror games is um, gore. I'm not opposed to gore. I mean, it, it has its place, but there's there's nothing scary to me about someone getting their head chopped off in Evil Within when I die. It's just gore. No, we talked about that last week. Yeah, that's exactly. Not, that's not horror. This me. isn't horror. That's gore. Right. It's totally different. I want, I want psychological horror. I want suspense. Yeah. I don't want fountains of blood and stuff like that. So the fact that there are games, which I unfortunately I haven't played it, but like Five Nights at Freddy's, which does have a lot of jump scares, but rely on keeping you tense as opposed to showing you a whole shitload of blood, um, I'm happy that that exists again. That's the type of game that I want to play with all the lights off and, and you know, jump and amuse my wife, you know, when I freak out, you know, and she sees me freak out and she thinks it's funny. That, to me, is better than the alternative. Sure. Um, this is from at Jim Long 82 What are your... Th- what are your your and Ian's thoughts? You what are you and Ian's thoughts? You're and Ian thoughts. What are Pat and Ian's thoughts on The Walking Dead show or Telltale games or comic? Because why wouldn't you include the comics? That yeah, I guess it's it what all. started off that people forget. Yeah, about. yeah. Um, as far as the comic goes, I couldn't keep up with it. Uh, it's it's good. It, it really is, and it's a black and white comic, which I adore. Black and white comics. My wife has every single issue, and most of the variants. Um. And it's a really good ongoing narrative that constantly shifts and changes. But like the show, it's kind of this weird ebb and flow where like you get a lot of stuff that keeps you interested, and then you get these painfully drawn-out segments. As far as the Telltale Games version goes, um, I love it. I love all everything that Telltale Games does, for the most part. Uh, and they really did a good job of making this like choose-your-own-adventure, pseudo-action adventure game out of it. Um, that really works with the theme and the, you know, they created kind of an alternate universe for it, but it, I think that works fantastically. Um, I watched the first, what are, they, what are they, in the fifth season of Walking Dead now? In the fifth. fifth. The first season was only six episodes. Which was excellent. It was yeah. excellent because I, it was self-contained. It seemed like it, it seemed like you were following along for the ride, discovering the world of the zombies, not knowing a whole lot. It was really cool when he got to what, Atlanta. 
and he's surrounded by him with a tank and everything. Like, this is a really cool concept. This mm-hmm. seems really cool. I gave I gave the second series a follow, and it was like, all right, I see we just go on the townhouse. I mean, the farmhouse and everything. And but now we're getting into soap opera territory. Now we're getting into, you know, you got he had the main villain, his friend, he used to be in, he used to be an officer with, and he's got to deal with him. And it's just like, okay, now we're spinning out of control. Where my interest is starting to wane. Get to the third season with with the town and the prison. I'm like, now I'm, I'm out. I'm out. And I'm not just out because it's it's. I think that the zombie genre is tiresome, but to me. There's only so many times you can see zombies get blown in the, blown apart in the face and the head. There's only so many times you can have the same fucking moral dilemma of, oh no, he got bit. Should we shoot him now or not? There's only so many times you run out of. There's a, such a limited amount of moral dilemmas that you get from these zombies that I don't care anymore. And yes, it is. You have you have stuff like torture porn in movies. This to me is killing zombies is good or bad it's murder porn it's we can get away with killing people without having the guilt of killing them because they're monsters now and again it's cool to see that but that's the draw of it and and when that to me is what the overpower what the overpowering sort of um draw is of the zombie genre when it comes let's kill let's kill people in awesome ways but we don't feel guilt over it because they're they're not people anymore and it's like all right this this is what it's become I've never actually thought of it that way, and I, I don't think I ever will, um, because they're so far removed from actual human forming. They're bipedal that lots of things are. But you know what I mean? But it's just... Sure. I mean, but, but that's the thing. I feel like Walking Dead stayed away from that for a long time. I think, I think Walking Dead stayed away from violence more so than other zombie things did, because they wanted to focus on drama. And see, that's where I kind of came back. And I haven't watched anything of the new season, which people seem to be down on, but in the end of... The, the last half of season four, it wasn't at all about zombies. It was. I didn't watch season four at all. I, I didn't watch... I mean, I've watched so little of it. I mean, I, I catch it when Vonnie watches it. But I got into the end of season four because it was very much... It was human drama, but it was very well done. And then they worked zombies in, and then they worked something else in fantastically at the end of it. And that's where I left off. Am I ever compelled to go back to it, though? No. And I think the problem is, is even though I like the zombie genre... I will say I think it's just the zombie genre to me has become a bit tired. I, I don't need I, I don't constantly well, sure. I, I would have loved a series like this 10 15 years ago. Sure. I don't so much need it now. Sure. Um it, uh, sort of sort of the Dawn of the Dead remake restarted then you had Shaun of the Dead and all of a sudden zombies are cool again, you know, going back 10 years ago. Um to me it's just sort of the really whenever you, it, it's either oh god to me, at least when I saw most of season three, I probably rewatched. I saw the last episode, but you literally have a villain with a fucking eye patch. That's the evil governor, and it's like, can we have any sort of nuance at all to this <laughs> characterization? He's literally mowing down his own followers at the end with the machine gun. Well, I was like, like this is this is this is ridiculous. Yeah. It's cartoony. Um, it's not played out well. Again, that first six episodes was like, okay, I can see this is interesting the human drama. Should we just off ourselves? We're living in a world that there's no hope. So the, the, the few people uh, they stay at the CDC and just destroys that was cool. That had a message at least to that. Right. Now it's just cartoon violence and I don't know. It's just not for me. It's just not for me. It's just, I, I was there for a little bit and now I'm just, I don't care. Right. I don't care. I don't care if I'm not, I'm not cool anymore. I, I think you'd find that that's pretty split. Um, at Konacha37 says, Why do Greatest Hits releases sell for far less than the original release games? Is it collectors only wanting the original copy? Fuck that shit. Anyways. Um, what? What was no, that response for? I, I, because, okay, so here's the deal. 
Uh, part of it is is them, yes, wanting the original copy. But I think part of the greatest hits black label thing when it comes to... Versus green on PlayStation? Yeah. I think a lot of that is born on message boards, and it's it, it spreads because of that. Because people never used to care. They were just excited to get a copy of the game. And now it's like every time I get a phone call... They want the original Oh, black. is it the black label or the green label? Someone's telling them that it's better to have the black label. There are Which games, is funny, because the black label there's so many more of. you know. Well, in some instances, not in all instances... For Final Fantasy VII. But in some instances, there are way more black label than there are green label. The initial print one was way bigger than the green label print run. And it's the same game, and it just it, it bothers me because I don't want to sound like I'm just cordoning off a whole section of people here, but the people who get really picky about greatest hits, green and black, tend to be some of my most annoying customers. It's also, uh, on Super Nintendo, you have some of the million the sellers. sellers. Yeah, the million, million sellers, sellers. Which I don't think collectors pay that much attention. There's only, you know, you have like Super Mario Kart, and you have Super Mario World. F-Zero. F-Zero, there's way more. I mean, the old F-Zero, you can find them sealed yeah. in pallets still. Yeah. But um, that, that Super Mario World one's cool because you get the box for it. There was no box for the original, so that's cool. Right. So for those, it's actually, at least the loose ones, I don't think, I don't think there's a big difference for no, those. No, for loose, there's no difference. Um, which is, which is strange because it's probably a 10 to 1 ratio you know, um, for those. But no, for, it's, it's weird for the PlayStation ones. Uh, yeah, I don't know why either that people would care I, I, that I, much. I mean, I understand that, you know, in some instances the black label is rare, but like I said before, and like you said, in some instances the black label greatly outnumbers the green label, and uh, they get really picky about it. Most people who are looking get rude and get super picky over it, and uh, I think it's just something, like I said, that was born on internet collecting forums, where, you know, that just became the must-have item. So then eventually, 20 years from now, the green labels are worth 10 times. <laughs> right, exactly, because everyone ignored the green labels and, you know, threw them out or pissed I, on them or burned them. And, yeah, you know, the green yeah. label will become more desirable. All, all the ones in my collection are black label. I don't think I've ever come across a lot of green label Final Fantasies, at least at the top of my head. Most have been black label. No, yeah. when, when I look at the store, um, nines, I get a bit of black, uh, green label in there, but the Final Fantasy 7s and the Final Fantasy 8s are almost all black label. Something like Final Fantasy Tactics is probably more often green label than huh. black label. Mine might be green for that. Yeah, but other than that, I, I think it's a, I, I just think it's a silly distinction. Speaking of silliness, this is from at Console Colors. Do either of you collect console color variants? Um, the, well, the big one is uh, the biggest one is N sixty four. There's like nine of them. And I have most of them. I don't have the great purple one. I don't have the the, the Pokemon one, which always eludes me. Whenever I find the, at the swap me, it's always either missing the controller or missing the stupid lid. The lid. On yeah. the top. So I'm like, what's the point? I spend fifty bucks on that. Um, I miss. I'm missing the grape one. I think I'm missing the watermelon one. But I think I have most of the others. I, maybe maybe I'm missing the orange one. But you know, I have like six of them or seven of them. I have, the, I have the, the blue one. I have the jungle green. You know. When I was in high school and I had money to throw away on crap like that, I did at what i never owned them all at the same time but i owned every color of game boy color oh I, yeah I, i've always got i have a lot of game boy colors and yeah. part of me kind of would like those except for if i ever had the money to really throw away on just getting every color variant i would get every color variant of the neo geo pocket color because there's so many because there's between the first run and this and this and the slim redesign there's probably I'm going to guess 13 off the top if of my head. We could go one month without referencing the G- Neo Geo Pocket Color. I'm fairly certain we did go one, one month. month. It'd, be like, it'd be like going one month without referencing Danny Sullivan's Indie Heat. It'd be like Can one. we go one month? No. Please. Nope. 
Everyone's um, got their console. But other than that, the other console variants, I mean, you have, you have uh, there's there's a few Xbox, you have like the green Halo one, you know. Um, there's the Mountain Dew one. You have the white PlayStation and the silver PlayStation 2. Well, don't forget the automotive color PlayStation 2s, those are super rare, those oh, are like I'll, 600. I'll, I'll forget those, I have no idea about them. Um, <laughs> there's also, uh, Dreamcast has some pretty pricey color variants. Um, In the U.S., they only had the black sports The white though. and the black, but then you've got the blue stars and the red umbrella one in Japan, and those go for quite a bit. Don't know about those. Um... Yeah, those are those are just off the top of my head. I of mean, then obviously the, the portables always have a billion different oh, yeah. color and, and style variants. Of course, you have the uh, Intellivision two and threes. You know, a lot of people like that like, hard to find Intellivision three console. I guess those are color variants. <laughs> Actually, the three is just is just the same as the one, except it's like um, it's like uh, silver instead of gold. Okay, that's the difference. I have that laying around. Actually, mine works. I have an extra Intellivision, and the box doesn't work. Anyone wants it? I also have an extra Vectrex, not a color variant. You want one of you want my Vectrex? No. So um, that pretty much wraps it up. <laughs> Follow us on iTunes <laughs> or, or Stitcher. Um, this will be up uh, by the time you hear this. It'll be up online. Yeah, that makes sense. We also have a Patreon. We do for the podcast. It's really easy. to Remember, it's patreon.com slash pixel sickle. Just submit some money. Submit some money <laughs> for approval. For approval, it has to get approved. Um. And then I have some stuff lined up. I got another NES Punk video I gotta do. I knew I knew S Frank just came out. Um, I'll put the marathon up maybe at some point in chunks. At least there'll be parts of it. And uh, yeah, maybe you'll see us at Manifest in a couple months. I don't know. We gotta approve the panel uh, for us to do a live CU podcast. That'd be fun though. Manifest. That would be neat. Be neato. So. For Ian Ferguson on our dateless Friday night See You podcast, I am Pat Contry. I'll just say toodles to you. Toodles. Oodles of toodles. <laughs>